It's a Saturday morning time for another wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Good morning, Jack. Hi there. It's a Saturday morning time for another wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Good morning, Jack. Hi there, Denny. How are you this morning? I'm fine. Thank you for asking. I hope you are as well and all of our friends at uh, Haskell's. What's what uh, we're going to be on the, on the docket today? Well, today I thought I'd return to something I do a few times a year. And that's answer questions people pose to me online. And uh, there, you know, there's no such thing as a dumb question, in my opinion. They're all good questions, and I'll do my best to answer them appropriately. Somebody wrote me a letter, and this is a very common thing. How do I learn about wine? Well, really, the best way to learn about wine is to pull the cork and taste it. However, you can take classes, attend tastings, uh, a little reading. There's all sorts of wine publications, the wine spectator, the wine enthusiast, etc. They can all help you put your wine learning into uh, uh, practice. And the best way, as I said, I remember a woman told me this 100 years ago. She wrote a book called Hand Me That Corkscrew Bacchus. And it was a book about tasting wine, and there really is no nothing better than tasting wine. So if you pull the cork and taste them, and keep notes, and, and bear in mind, no one's going to look at those notes but you. So if you think the wine uh, tastes like uh, prunes or something, like, just go ahead and write it down. What, it doesn't make any difference. There's no real uh, special lingo for wine. There, uh, it's all a matter of personal taste. So it's pretty easy. Uh, the other question that's probably m- most common is, it's, is it weird I like to chill white wi- uh, red wine? No, that's not odd at all. The perfect temperature for red wine is between 55 and 65 degrees, and white wine is between 40 and 45 degrees. And so, uh, you know, red wine very often is drunk too hot. There's nothing wrong, particularly at this time of year, what the weather is like, etc., with chilling red wines. And bear in mind, the more inexpensive red wines are better to chill. I mean, you you wouldn't want to put uh, too much of a chill on a 50 or or $100 bottle of red wine. But if you only paid 10 or $12 for it, you could chill it uh, no problem. And I just say that as an overall generality. Naturally, there's exceptions to that. Uh, there's some uh, $12 wines that maybe you wouldn't want to chill. But, you know, nothing goes better with a burger on the grill than a chilled Chianti or a chilled Beaujolais or even a chilled American Zinfandel. Uh, it's awfully good with simple barbecued foods. Uh, if you have barbecued ribs and it's a hot night, a chilled Malbec, from Argentina, it would be just fine. Naturally, you don't want them chilled as cold as you would have white or rosé wine, but there's nothing wrong with chilling red wine. The same thing is true. Question I get, I put ice cubes in my wine. Everybody makes fun of me. Well, let them make fun of you. You're drinking the wine. Uh, Well, I don't like ice cubes in wine myself very much, it's okay to do. All you're doing is diluting the wine a bit with water, and if you prefer it that way, so be it. I mean, wine is a very personal thing. You don't really have to look for anybody else's approval on what you do with wine. It's your palate, 
uh, and you do exactly what you want with it. And so having said that, certainly if you like to put ice in your wine, go right ahead and do it. Uh, why do wines have some different names? Some are called by region, some are grape varietal. Well, that's tradition, really. Uh, grapes are called by their region, or wines are called by their region, mainly in Europe. Uh, and, you know, when you have a Pomard from France, there is a village called Pomard in Burgundy, and the wine is from that village, Pomard. The same thing is true of Chablis. There is a town called Chablis, and that's why the wine is that. In California, they used to label stuff red, Burgundy, Paisano, and all these funny names for things. And then with the help of Alexis Lachine and Frank Sunmacher in the 60s and early 70s, they began to switch and use varietal names, Chardonnay, Cabernet, Zinfandel, etc. And that's why the difference. And the same thing is true uh, throughout the world, not just in California and Europe. In uh, France, for example, the only time you can see the varietal on the label is Alsatian wines, where the wines are Gewürztraminer or Riesling, etc. And then, then wine also, besides that, has fantasy names, like the wine I mentioned, Paisano, that means friend. It was a big Gallo wine, very popular uh, in the late 60s, early 70s in the United States, and they eventually stopped using the, a more common name like that is Libra milk, which translates literally virgin mother's milk. Well, that's an anachronism if ever there was one, but <coughs> there was this vineyard owner in Germany, and he had uh, vineyards right next to the Church of Our Lady. And then on the top of the Church of Our Lady was a statue of the Madonna, and it overlooked the vineyards. And everyone said, how come your wine is so much better than everybody else's? It's my leaf brow milk, the milk of the virgin, but, uh, meaning that the wine vineyards where the virgin overlooked were special vineyards, and that's how it got its name. But there, all those fantasy names came about from reasons like that. Uh, then what are organic wines? Well, organic wines are any wines that are made by the organic established rules of the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Uh, so are there wines without sulfites? Very, very few wines are without sulfites. Most wines have sulfites in them, and that's a byproduct of fermentation, and they also use sulfites and uh, sulfur to safeguard the wine's flavor and prevent it uh, from changing. Actually, the sulfur stabilizes the wine a bit, and so some wines say no sulfites, but they're very, very rare. And bear in mind, if the wines don't have sulfites in them, they generally have a very short shelf life and don't last too terribly long. Uh, but that that's the answer on sulfites. The same thing with histamines. Histamines disappear in older wines. Younger wine have somebody decant uh, wine four or five times and have that person make sure they're not allergic uh, to histamines, and that will dissipate the histamines in the wine, decanting it back and forth four or five times. Uh, what about older wines? When should I drink them? Well, now, that's a trickier question. Uh, you should really consult with somebody in the wine business 
or somebody who's fairly knowledgeable about wine, because different older wines have different times of maturity. So that really depends on the wine. Uh, you can always check uh, various books or go online, etc., to find out when the optimum time for drinking that is. But uh, like I say, that just varies all over the board. You might have some wines uh, right now in your cellar that should be drunk today or should have been drunk two weeks ago or a month ago or five years ago. Uh, or you might have some that won't be ready for another couple of years. But most wines are drunk the year they're made. When we're talking about aging wine, we're talking about probably less than 5% of the wines in the world are really put aside for aging. So it's a very small amount in the world of wine. Uh, but it is fun uh, to have a wine, for example, of your birth year or a wine from your anniversary year when you got married or a, a, a special occasion wine. And that is often done by a lot of people, put wines away for their children and grandchildren, etc. I know I've done that. And it's always fun when we open a bottle of their birth year wine when they get engaged or they graduate from college or there's some special occasion. Do old wines require special handling? Well, all they require is, uh, like humans, they can become fragile as they get older. I'd say put them in a cold, dark cellar and let them sit there, and they're just fine. And then when you take them out, be careful. Old wines don't really travel very well. They like to rest when you jiggle them around a bit. So if you have to take them somewhere, let them rest for uh, uh, 24 hours or so before you open them up. Uh, but generally, old wines really require nothing but uh, a cellar. As a matter of fact, we, there's a saying in the wine business, if you're fortunate enough to have a very old wine at, with the winemaker at the cellar, that's the best that wine is ever going to be because it's never left its home. And believe me, I think that's true. I've been fortunate in my life to have lots of uh, vineyard-owned friends who opened a special bottle of wine for me from the cellar, and it was very old, and those wines never went anywhere, and they were very content to stay home, and they aged very nicely uh, there. Uh, somebody else said to me, what makes white wines buttery? Well, that's a real unusual thing. The buttery, it can it's sort of a soft, creamy sensation. It's more associated with vanilla than with wood, but it comes from diactyl, which is a product of malolactic fermentation, and it makes the wines a little creamier, and then, then that's that buttery sensation. Uh, today, that's extraordinarily popular, particularly with California wines uh, and so on. Then the, another question, what is tannin? Well, tannin is simply a compound in wine that makes your mouth feel dry. The tannin comes from the skins and stems and the seeds in the grapes, and usually white wines have very few tannins, whereas red wines are loaded with them, and you really get to taste that tannin sensation if you ever drink very strong tea. That is full of tannins as well. And uh, a lot of red wines have tannins, as the grape age, those tannins dissipate a bit and create the evolution as the wine becomes older and makes it better. Uh, the other thing I wanted to chat about today was 
uh, are six for 60. Haskell's puts out uh, every six, eight weeks, something like that, uh, six bottles of wine for $60. <clears throat> Ted's current one will go through March 7th. And he, we've created, with the help of Elizabeth Rye, the following wines. The, the rosé Ted picked is Maylene, which is absolutely delicious. And we have to bear in mind, again, rosés aren't all that sweet white Zinfandel. This is a nice, dry rosé with hints of raspberries and cherries on the nose and a nice finish. And in this hot weather we've been having, nothing would be better than a glass of Mylene to have while you're firing up the grill before you start cooking. It makes a great aperitif. It's a thoroughly delicious wine. Um, the next one he picked was Cirrus, uh, a white Bordeaux, so it's a blend of Semillon and Sauvignon Blanc grape. And, you know, those white Bordeaux, maybe we should do a whole show on them. There's really, it's very tragic to me. They overlooked entirely. The other wine that's in the 6 or 50 is Gearbox Chardonnay, which happens to be Kathy Farrell, my wife's favorite go-to Chardonnay. It is absolutely delicious and uh, wonderful wine at that price. Then they have two Cote de Rhones, Chateau Rateau and Chateau Croix-Bampas, both absolutely delicious red wine, perfect for summer entertaining, just delicious. And the last one is Loscano Malbec. If you're having barbecued ribs or anything with barbecue sauce on them, barbecued chicken, whatever, that Malbec was just, in my opinion, made uh, to go with barbecue sauce. It's the perfect foil to that sweet, hot barbecue sauce that most of us enjoy so much. And when you have Malbec with it, you found a wine that goes very, very well with barbecued ribs. And that I sounds hope, great. Yeah, go ahead, Jay. But I, I hope I've answered a lot of questions. I hope you'll uh, try that six for sixty. That's an amazing value. It's a value of over ninety dollars, and it's only sixty bucks. And of course, it's available at all the Haskell stores. A lot of good locations. Yes, indeed, there are Haskells near you. Uh, there's a Haskell's in Bloomington, in Excelsior, right at the Excelsior dock. There's a Haskell's in Faribault off of 35. Our Maple Grove Supercellar is not to be missed, 22,000 square feet of wine. In Minneapolis, we have free parking on Saturday and Sunday. There's a Haskell's at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Highland Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come in, go to Haskell's.com, and it'll tell you all about the things we've talked about, as well as you can pick out whatever you want. And don't forget, Haskell's does deliver. Thank you, Jack. Have a great week, and we'll talk next week. Denny, I'm going to look forward to that. Jack Farrell from Haskell's. And we'll talk next week. Denny, I'm going to look forward to that. Jack Farrell from Haskell's.